Our gospel lesson this morning immediately follows our reading from the last week. The reading that is about what do we do when someone has heard a wrong and Jesus is prescribed a very practical plan of action beginning with an individual conversation and escalating to the action of the entire community. This conversation between Peter and Jesus follows right from freedom. Today, we hear that Peter asks, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? In some ways, it's almost as if Peter got confused. Really, do we have to do this? And how many times do we forgive this person? And Jesus responds, not seven times, but I tell you seven times. Seven Does this mean that we can sort of keep a list of all the times that we've forgiven somebody? And when we reach seven, seven, we're going to have to check mark from the place next to that list? I don't think that's exactly what Jesus is saying. It's more than just a question about keeping a forgiveness tolerance. In the ancient world, in Jesus' time, number seven represented protection. And so Peter's question could be interpreted as something more like, do you really expect us to forgive perfectly? And correspondingly, Jesus' response is suggested as the number seven seven. But it's a key thing that we must forgive lavishly, beyond perfect forgiveness. There's a great abundance in what Jesus is suggesting. Sort of an overflowing forgiveness. This Swiss theologian already writes when thinking about this passage, writes, Jesus could have simply answered yes, but his answer calls for even more perfection. The most perfect, boundlessly infinite, countlessly repeated forgiveness is demanded of Peter. Then Jesus tells a story to illustrate this point a story about a king and a king. And we find the king wanting to settle his accounts to make sure everything is in order. And in this context, he calls one of his high-ranking we're told that this person owes the king 10,000 pounds. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, 10,000 pounds seems nothing. I don't get that unit of measurement. This was an astronomical sum of money that sort of lost the vocabulary of anything else in Jesus' words. The talent was a little bit more than what an average worker would make in the 15th so the sum owed the king would take an average person 150,000 years to earn. In today's money, it would be high up in the hundreds of millions of dollars, if not in the low billions of dollars. It's a lot of money. And so the slave begs the king to give him more time to pay back the debt. But the king does something unthinkingly unexpected. He forgives the entirety of the debt. Now, this isn't some just act or even a compassionate act. It is lavish beyond all thinking. 
This is an incredible thing, this particular Could you imagine how public that is in the Bible? Imagine if you owed your company a couple of billion dollars. Do you ever think they would just write it off and say, I'm going to get the Now, I'm hearing this story in recent years, and I think that's the story of having a good person, but given an enormous success, would be grateful and promise. How could that not be the way it's promised? How could someone want to be honest with us to that he loves? But he doesn't. He does something completely different. He goes to someone who owes him money and demands a debt. Now, this man owes him a hundred denarii, a small sum. A denarii is equal to about a week's pay for the Even the lowliest of workers, the simplest of farmers, would be able to pay this back with a year's company for the future. But the powerful slave isn't satisfied, and he forces the slave to be thrown to poor slaves into jail. He doesn't even threaten to sell them into slavery. Because the master of the slavery isn't enough under the law to sell them into slavery. When the king struggles with the great slave, the son is understandably angry and hands him over to the cultural company who leads the rest of the world. The slave leads him angry to the story. How could the first slave's response not be forgiveness? What response is more appropriate to the lavish outcome of mercy than the return of the same forgiveness to others? Isn't this really the point of Jesus' story? You and I, as the recipients of God's outrageously extravagant forgiveness, we draw from God and value that perfect, that beyond perfect forgiveness. Our forgiveness should be violent and limited. But this creates a problem for us in our minds. What if people take advantage of our forgiveness? This is something that the church has wrestled with for 2,000 years. If there are no consequences, we're afraid that people will just take advantage of us over and over again. So what are the qualifications we can place on our forgiveness? Do they have to be truly sorry? Do they have to be in some form of restitution? Do they need to demonstrate that they are willing to change their behavior? I think that's true we can live with the value of forgiveness because it has all of these questions in mind. Our forgiveness. Father's forgiveness has no prerequisites, no conditions, it's beyond perfection. I think one of the important things here is that forgiveness is more than just you and the person inside. It's more involved, yes, it's about the single act between two people, it's about the hurt and the wrong that occurs there, but it's also about our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with our community, and our relationship with God. If we don't forgive, 
of forgiveness protects his life. Holding on to hope and healing leads to bitterness and anger. In a real way, forgiveness is a letting go of releasing of that pain and liberating of the self. Sometimes we walk around gripping so tightly to the wrongs that have been done to us. So you don't know how to live with those hurtful objects to put become a part of us and then poison It's only in forgiveness that we get that control over us. To be truly free and happy, we must forgive. The lack of forgiveness affects our community. As we learned last week when a member of the body of Christ is hurt, the entire body is healed. A lack of forgiveness can create strength within the community. And you can think back to when you were a child and your parents were fighting. That touches the whole family of that where you work when there's a disagreement between two people. How did people get to one another? How did people get to one another? There's a warning at this point of this message. Somehow, our relationship with God is tied up in our own ability to forgive. And this is something that we all pray at least once a week. In the Lord's prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's the action that we ask God to take. And if we don't display this kind of forgiveness, if we don't believe in it, how can we accept the divine miracle of sacrificial forgiveness? How can we understand it? How can we truly be the people that God is calling us to be? This is the forgiveness that we're called to embody. Forgiveness without limits. Forgiveness. Forgiving people isn't something that is super easy. I remember we were discussing this parable in the Bible about the patient of the mother. Older, wiser woman in the world was talking about this. And I always assumed that forgiving the person 77 times, okay, I will forgive the person 77 times for 77 different actions. And she said, no, what is this about? Forgiving somebody seven seven times for the same action. So many times we choose to forgive is not a done thing. You can choose to forgive that person for the hurt and the pain that come back again. Can't just to forgive again. You can't get them enough to forgive once more. Maybe it's about driving. Continual striving for forgiveness. Maybe each time we forgive, we have to do it closer to the divine purpose for forgiveness. 
Paul, who is the 